Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. All right, we're back. It's another Carolina podcast. It is the Wednesday after... Maybe the worst loss of the Will Muschamp era, South Carolina falling to North Carolina, 24-20. to 20. We're going to get into that, all the implications therein. We've also found out that Jake Bentley has a foot injury that's going to sideline him for a minimum of six to eight weeks. Huge implications there with Ryan Helinski and on Joyner being the next two guys up. What to expect from them in the coming week against Charleston Southern. Also want to give a big shout-out real quick to our two sponsors for today's podcast, Latke's Deli and also Terry Bishop. We're going to have a little fun with some buy or sell with Terry Bishop later in the podcast and tell you a lot more about Slotsky's Deli um, at the end in the contest they got going on Gamecock Central as well. Uh, also wanted to take a moment to remind you to rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends if you like the podcast and you want us to keep doing it. That's a great way to support the pod. Wes and Chris, y'all both made the wise decision not to travel up to Charlotte. I made the foolish decision to travel up to Charlotte and be a part of the mob of approximately 4,000 people that were in that stadium making it Certainly one of the least raucous environments I've ever been in in my life. Uh, the game was just terrible all around. I know we've spent three days, four days, just dissecting this very thoroughly. So we won't spend as much time on this as we will, you know, the implications for the future here for South Carolina. And again, the, the biggest news of this week, even more than uh, the loss against North Carolina, is honestly the quarterback situation for Carolina. But let's go big picture. What are what what in your opinion was the biggest thing? that went wrong on Saturday in the upset loss against North Carolina, Chris? One thing. That's tough to pick. One big <laughs> thing. One big thing. Um, Man, I'll tell you, I, I've got to say, and I realize, I fully realize that the offense didn't play well, particularly up front and at the quarterback position, but I, I've got to say defensively, the two drives that they gave up where North Carolina was backed up you know, inside the five, those were the backbreakers because um, you get there. We could talk a lot about the decisions to punt. I think they had a fourth and six and a fourth and one. Fourth and six from the plus 38 and fourth and, and one. And a fourth and one. And we could talk about those, sure. At the end of the day, North Carolina's backed up inside its five. Then you get on one of those, you get a stop on first down for a loss. So you're second and 12 inside the five. And then you allow a huge run. North Carolina goes down. They eventually score about a 98-yard drive. Then you have another 90-plus-yard drive for the two, the only two touchdowns in the game. Those were the backbreakers to me. There are a lot of obviously different issues during the game, but I think those two drives, so the, the play of the defense and just missing tackles and things of that nature, I think if you had to pick 
one issue out of the game, you know, the, the, that was the difference for me. That's fascinating. I've heard a lot of that in the last couple of days, and I think the defense is like third or fourth in terms of things that I was worried about bigger picture taking away from that North Carolina loss because for the majority of the game, they played well. And I, I agree with you. Those were the yeah. back-breaking moments. Those two drives, they were horrendous. But that was almost half of North Carolina's yards. That was obviously more than half of their points. It was two really, 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 really bad drives. That's going to happen. But to that point, they had allowed nine points. And then even after that, they did a good job of getting the ball back for Carolina. I, I, I'm not excusing the defense completely. But for me, I, I don't care if, you, if they give up 24 points. Carolina always was going to have to score or always should have been able to score more than 24 points. And I, I can't kill the defense for having two bad drives. If they if they gave up one long touchdown in the first quarter, one long touchdown in the third quarter, I feel like we would be talking about this a little bit differently. But it happened back-to-back, -back and it was long drives. It was 95 and 98 yards, as you mentioned, and so it was glaring. Uh, but for the most part, I think they did a reasonably good job. And you also have to credit uh, Sam Howell. Once they you know, kind of took the training wheels off in the second half, he made some unbelievable throws. That touchdown pass in the back corner of the end zone that ended up being the number one play on SportsCenter that night was you know, very decent coverage by Israel Mukwamu, but it was just a, an excellent throw and an even better catch. So I'm, I'm not ready to kill the defense yet. Yes, there are things that need to be fixed. They need to tackle better in the open field. There are some, you know, Will Muschamp talked about it in his press conference yesterday, some other things just in terms of getting guys in the right place that do need to be fixed. But that was not one of the top three concerns for me. Uh, Wes, what was your biggest concern coming away from Sunday or Saturday? Yeah, I mean, obviously plenty of blame to go around. I, um, I sort of went to the other side, offensive line. Um, you know, I thought the interior of the line in particular, obviously the fact that there's wholesale changes already. They're shuffled, you know, three different spots are getting shuffled around, I, I think um, sort of speaks to that. Obviously, quarterback play not where it needed to be either. I, you know, I think there were opportunities in the passing game that were there um, that were either missed um, both from a physical standpoint where, you know, ball is off, ball is thrown too far but then from a mental standpoint just not getting rid of the ball I, I felt like um, the idea of protecting the football has been so hammered into Jake Bentley's head all offseason that it almost sort of worked against him there, there's always like a give and take of um, you know how many chances do you take and that if you take chances that obviously inevitably leads to more situations where maybe there's going to be a turnover but it also maybe leads to more big plays. If you don't take many chances, then that takes away um, those turnover opportunities, but then um, takes away many of your big play opportunities too. So I, I felt like there were times when, um, for whatever reason, Jake was just hesitant to, to get rid of the ball, and I, I think that hurt him. Um, you know, they apparently I, I had a I had a big problem at least my first watch with the game plan in that there weren't any shots deep now. Um we find out later on maybe there were shots called. You know, Muschamp said there were 17 different opportunities to go downfield that were called, and the ball didn't go for, for one reason or another. Some of that's protection, obviously. So uh, Some of it's protection, some of it's receivers not getting open, and some of it is, you know, taking those shots and just missing them. Yeah, so, you know, I, I to, to me, whatever the reasons, if we're looking forward, uh, some some passes hitting down the field are, are a must. You have to – be able to do that and, and and maybe that's the reason you know we were talking about the running game off air um you know I thought the running game I thought the running backs played very well uh both those guys uh but then I, I think you look at the offensive line I didn't think they consistently blocked enough I thought as the game went on 
Um, you know, they blocked well early on. They didn't block as well as the game went on. And, and maybe some of that is that the defense doesn't really have to defend the field vertically. You know, if, if a defense can sort of, hey, they're not going to beat us over the top, then both from a scheme and play call standpoint and from just a mindset standpoint, uh, you're attacking. And uh, so I, I wonder if maybe that didn't have something to do with it. But, but yeah, missed opportunities. And, I mean, looking back, it, it didn't really necessarily feel like it watching the game. You know, I, I felt like early on the offense played pretty well. Then I, as I go back and I see, you know, several opportunities where you get the ball in great field position and either do nothing or scores come off of a short field. So, you know, I, I thought the one area of the team that actually performed very well was the special teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kept putting South Carolina in good spots. Two um, good punt returns, a big kick return. Yep, you a have field uh, goal. you have a blocked field goal. That you know, I had almost forgotten about Everyone that. Forgot about it because um, it ended up being irrelevant. Yeah, you had you had you had obviously you had the one missed field goal, but that's from fifty three yards. Uh, you had one shanked punt, but then you had two other punts that are downed. Yeah, he still um, averaged forty three yards a punt, I think, for the game. Yeah, punts. so so special teams uh, were good. Just the the other two sides obviously had a lot to desire, and you know I, the missed tackling stuff is obviously the big takeaway on defense. Um, you know, Will Helms, uh, what was the stat? Was it something like 34 yards? Uh, as 37 well? yards before contact, I think. It was like .8 yards a carry, which is absolutely so, elite. Yeah, so if, <laughs> if they're – I mean, you're going to have then some you're missing tackles, the tackles. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 but anybody. If, yeah, if they had had no missed tackles, that's how many yards rushing, right? That North yeah, Carolina rushing yards. Had. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that just goes to show you how much – of their yardage was from guys missing tackles, which is going to happen week one, but um, it just happened way too often. Yeah. And it even felt like that watching the game. I was like, man, they have been in position so many times. And and I, I do you thought, know how many times they started a possession in North Carolina territory? South Carolina's offense. Yeah, um, not off the top of my head. Five, five. Okay, five. Yeah. How, how many? How many possessions will they start in enemy territory in the next five games? Like maybe five. That's unbelievable. Five possessions started in North Carolina territory. They got seven points out of it. Yeah. The other and, thing is they got in the red zone. I mean, they weren't good enough there because U.S. I mean, they had four trips inside UNC's 25. Okay. And then they had another that started on the UNC 26. But they just got – they threw they threw an interception on the one that started on the 26. And then they got one touchdown. And then they got two made field goals. The other thing is, I don't know how many snaps Carolina actually ran from the true red zone inside the 20. It may just be one. I can only think and of one. And I was counting the 25. The yeah. But yeah, if, you go, the if you go inside the 20, I think Carolina really only had one snap in there. I think they had I think they had the ball in like the 19 or the 18, and then they had lost yardage on the next play. That was, I mean, that was really troubling. You talk about an offense, you know, moving up and down the field and then stalling inside the red zone. Carolina couldn't even get there. The one touchdown run was 30 yards. The touchdown pass was, I think, 26 yards or maybe 28 yards. So they were doing their damage, what damage they did do from from outside there. Um, and we saw it time and again. Those drives just stalled. That first drive, Carolina was humming. I was like, okay, this this looks great. This looks like sort of what we expected to see from Carolina. Um, you know, that first pass to Brian Edwards, you're getting the ball going. Rico Dowdle ran the ball well, especially in that first drive. You get down there, it's a, I think it was a first and 10 from like the 30-ish. They run it for three yards. It's second and seven. And then you run that pop pass to carry on Joyner that gets blown up. You're in a third and long situation. And then Carolina is forced to kick a field goal. And that felt like a big loss at the time. And then the entire game was just that over and over again. And, and so for me, uh, Wes, you kind of addressed, you know, my top three issues, I guess, in reverse order. I would say the third biggest concern would be the offensive line play. I think a lot of that is exacerbated by the fact that North Carolina 
when they were up at the end of the game, they were just bringing pressure, just pin your ears back because you know Carolina's got to throw the ball. And so it looks a little bit worse. The numbers look worse when you see the end of the game in North Carolina could just kind of come no holds barred and not have to worry about Carolina running it. Number two would have been the quarterback play for me because even as poorly as Carolina played, as many opportunities as they missed, if Jake Bentley connects with Shai Smith, you know, we're probably talking about Carolina narrowly escaping Charlotte yeah. with an undeserved win. And that's the reality of the situation. But for me, the biggest problem was was the game plan. Carolina continually being way too conservative. We've seen it a million times. And as much as I have successfully disconnected myself from football and specifically from South Carolina football over the years, given like that I was absolutely psychotic in college, I feel like I've done a better job of compartmentalizing that now. The one thing that always makes me absolutely lose my mind is when Carolina gets the ball, you know, on their own 40 or farther down the field with like 30 seconds left and a couple timeouts going into halftime and Will Muschamp just kneels on it. To me, that is how, like, I don't know the number. I'm, I need to look, but I feel like every time Carolina does that, they lose the game. They did it in the Florida game. They did it in the North Carolina game. In this case, you had 20 seconds left. You were on, I think, your own 40. You have two or three timeouts left. Just take a couple shots. See if you can get in the field goal range. So that, the punt inside of the 40, which I think it should be illegal. I think it should be a 15-yard penalty if you decide to punt inside of the plus 40. That's always a dumb decision. I don't care if it's a good punt. I don't care if you pin the opponent deep, which Carolina did. That is a that is losing mentality. And then the other one was not going for the fourth and one at midfield. Just those three plays really summed up for me an overly conservative game plan that ultimately cost Carolina the game, in my opinion. We're going to get – we need to get Will Helms on that stat – He's the he's the the unofficial statistician, or maybe the official one. Definitely the official one. That the, uh, dude's got stats out the wazoo. I he love. Does. I, I've got one more point on that, and just in terms of one of the, maybe the turning point of the game. If South Carolina won the game, there'd still be a lot of issues, yep. right? I mean, you, you said it, but to break down, so South Carolina goes up twenty to nine. You're in decent shape there. You know, you're up by 11. They need a field goal, touchdown, two-point You're still thinking about Carolina you. covering the spread, or at least I was. I'm like, cool. This could, right. this could still easily be a cover. So you're thinking, you know, so North Carolina's got the ball back. Well, they sack Sam. They strip. J.C. Horn comes on a blitz, strips the ball from Howell. Now you're in business because you're up 29, and you're around midfield-ish. I can't remember exactly what yard line, if it was plus side. I think it is maybe still South Carolina side. I can't remember. So they're up 29. They actually – called a pass play they called or, or at least an rpo can't recall but i know what the result ended up being first down they take a shot if you complete that you're 27 9 and you feel great they miss it it's an overthrow to edwards he he did have a step would have been a a great effort by everyone all around to complete it so now you're first down but unfortunately and i should have backed up even if they complete that there's a holding penalty so now you're first and whatever, right after that you get a false start. So now you're first and 25. After you've got a chance to really seize the momentum, you, you take an effort to take a shot, which is what everybody wants there. Now you're first and 25, so they run it twice. They complete a ball to Shai Smith, get 14 yards or so, but they're still – I think that ended up being the fourth and six, right? Yeah, that's fourth and six from the 38 right there. Yep. Well, here's the other damning sequence. I think that's a really good inflection point. Here's another one. North Carolina, right after that, North Carolina marches on the field. They score. I don't remember if that was the 95 or the 98-yard drive, but they score. They cut, and they get the two-point conversion, so they cut it to 2017. Next series for Carolina, run play, run play, run play, run play, swing pass. That's the, that's the Falcons' Super Bowl. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it was. you could see it 
you could see it unraveling in the moment. And you knew exactly where it was going. As soon as as soon as Carolina was playing scared, frankly, and just saying, let's get out of this game. Let's just try to squeeze out of here with a win. And and you know trying to hang on as opposed to trying to actively go win it, uh, that was that was the beginning of the end for me. That sequence right there. Well, we don't know how many of those or any of those RPOs. It's hard to tell. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think the first one may have been that was one that Jake ended up pulling and running. So that yeah. that was one that I think theoretically could have been. I don't know if it was an RPO or if it was just a simple read option. Um, but regardless, I mean, it was that that was the case all game. Carolina not willing to take shots, and it wasn't even. So I, I was digging back into the numbers yesterday. And, you know, after Will Muschamp said they had dialed up 17 different shots uh, by my unofficial count, uh, going back and watching the game on Sunday, Carolina threw the ball 10-plus yards down the field, like the ball traveling 10 yards in the air, 14 times. Seven of those came when they were behind in the fourth quarter. So only seven shots of 10-plus yards uh, through the first three quarters. But the other number that stood out to me, intermediate passing routes. So so the, when the ball traveled three to 10 yards in the air, they only took they only threw five passes in that area the entire game everything else was bubble screen you know swing route it was a a little hitch a little slant things like that it's it's not even so much that you need to take shots you just need to diversify what you do in the passing game or else it becomes really really easy for defenses to diagnose yeah and i to, to go back i i think my biggest issue was probably with like you said the conservative um you know and i think from a from a play con standpoint it's not we can't always tell exactly what they wanted to happen, right? You know, so I, I gen- just in general, when people talk about play calling, um, I feel like most of the time when somebody says, "Oh, this play calling sucks," it's because that's basically them saying, "Oh, those plays didn't work," right? You know, and it's like, well, we don't know what they were trying to do. We don't know who ran, you know, who ran a wrong route, who missed the block up front, who, you know, we don't we don't know all the ins and outs of that, but. We, we can sit here and say for sure that the game plan, in-game decisions were conservative. And I think, for one, it sends a shaky message to your team. Exactly. Um, it's a, and I just wonder, does that, does that mindset sort of uh, permeate the team? Um, that was exactly you, my thought. Because Will Muschamp defends you know, those, those two horrific punts in yeah. my opinion horrific and it's like well if they work if you get the stop i'm like no no no. what that says to me is that you are not confident in your team and that even if you're saying well i'm confident in my defense to get a stop i think ultimately it's saying i you know i am too concerned to go for this and i think that sort of uncertainty creeps into the whole locker room and um fact being is 20 if it's 20 to 9 and we we don't know if you're going to even convert the fourth downs. What you know, the offense didn't really give us much ammo to say that they were definitely going to convert either of these fourth downs. Frankly, but if it's twenty to nine, and you go score on that drive, South Carolina's winning the football game, hundred percent. And I I think that's one of those moments where you you say, look, blood is in the water. You just like you said, you just turned them over. They're not in a good place right now. You have. You have all the cards in this scenario. That's your chance to have a killer instinct, go win the football game. If it doesn't work out, there's it's not like you're going for it on your own side of the field. You know, it is fourth and six. But if you pick that up, you get another. You continue the momentum on your side. Um, and I, you know, frankly, I think any fourth and one, you should probably be going for it. But uh, we know that's not going to happen. And but, especially when they just scored, they have all the momentum in the world. Your def, or your lead has been cut to three. 
Yeah. That's that is when you go for it. That's when you say, No, 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 we're the bigger team, we're the better team, we're gonna be more physical, we are going to impose our will. But instead, Carolina was passive. North Carolina was able to continue just you know, dominating Carolina in, in that last stretch of the game. And I I tell you, as, as much as we talk about Muschamp being conservative, defensive minded coach, I feel like last year we saw him adjust a bit we saw him go for it on fourth down a lot more last year if you go look at the numbers the the scenarios like that much champ and maybe it goes back to not being comfortable with his defense last year because we all know um you know especially late in the year when the injuries piled up the defense was not good so maybe that was more out out of necessity but um you know, we saw him be more aggressive as far as in-game decisions, not kicking long field goals, going for it when you're at that sort of 30-yard mark and, um, you know, going for it at midfield. And I, I just – I don't know. I, I think if you lose a game being aggressive, uh, n- not that anybody's going to cheer you losing to North Carolina. I'm just not what I'm saying. If you lose a game being aggressive, it is much more um, palatable for the fan base than it is to lose a game – punting just because the whole idea of punting just sits wrong with people so it, it you know even if the call is right or wrong whatever if you if you go down swinging people are going to respect that I feel like a bit more than just look than like otherwise. you're trying to win you know there were a lot of problems there were a lot of problems on Saturday one that we haven't spent a ton of time on and I'm glad that we haven't spent a lot of time on because at frankly at this point it is sort of moot um, but Jake Bentley was not his best he was 16 to 30 um, just uh, missed a lot of passes late in the game, didn't command the offense, didn't connect on any deep balls. And part of that is you could say he was under pressure. Part of that you could say is receivers not getting separation on a lot of those vertical routes that Will Muschamp wanted to hit. Uh, but the reality of the situation is, however Jake Bentley did or did not play on Saturday, is irrelevant. He's got a foot injury, a Liz Frank injury. They are not sure if it's going to require surgery and will end up being season-ending. But the conservative estimate on the diagnosis is six to eight weeks, which means Ryan Helensky, who was named the backup quarterback a couple weeks ago, is the starter, at least for the Charleston Southern game. Obviously, I think that will be a somewhat fluid situation going forward. But I think for a lot of Gamecock fans, this is exactly what you want to see. I think Gamecock fans are happy about this, not happy that Jake's injured, but happy because it seems like it was overdue for a change, given how Jake played on Saturday. It seemed like he wasn't the guy to, to command this offense anymore. And people are really, really excited about Ryan, a guy that's got a lot of maturity, a guy that has come in and, and seemingly done an excellent job of picking up the offense, and a guy that's got all the physical tools in the world. Um, but I will ask you two guys that have watched Helensky, that have talked with him, you know, a, a lot more than just about everybody listening to this podcast right now, what is a fair and reasonable expectation for Ryan Helensky this weekend? Well, you know, I think um – First of all, just to manage the offense. And, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to ask around uh, as far as what his strengths are, not just from what we saw out of him in high school, but, you know, now that he's been on campus for, um, what, nine months now almost. I, uh, you know, I, I think he's a kid that, um, first of all, you've got the intangibles. He's got those sort of natural leadership qualities, um, throws the football well um, as far as just, um, you know, getting the ball out pretty quick and, and spreading the football around. That's always been sort of uh, his M.O. I think for this week, though, manage the offense. I think he has a good grasp of the offense in general. Um, You know, maybe some of the finer points of of playing quarterback at this level, setting protections, um, you know, making sure you go through all your reads, having that that, uh, clock in your head, which is probably a little bit different at this level than it is at the high school level and and stuff like that. The finer points are going to take time. That's something that – 
you know, is going to be something only, only comes with experience and reps and going out and, you know, frankly, making some mistakes from time to time. Uh, you know, accurate guy, especially, uh, you know, underneath, intermediate. Um, you know, we'll see what, what they can hit down the field, too, because I think that's something they're going to have to do eventually, obviously, this year. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's as ready as you can be as a true freshman in week two. But, obviously, you're going to have to maybe manage some things um, that you wouldn't otherwise, you know, if you had a, a veteran guy in there. I think with that said, too, I think it's really significant that it seems like Donnell Stanley is going to be moving back to center this week because I think we saw last weekend against North Carolina. And, you know, part of it's because, I mean, Jay Bateman, North Carolina's defensive coordinator, is a two-time Broyles finalist because he's done such a good job of effectively implementing really diverse defenses, basically just really confusing looks for the offensive line. We saw Hank Manis, I think, really struggle, uh, you know, not only, you know, just in protection individually, but it seemed like Carolina's offensive line oftentimes didn't know where the rush was coming from. That's on the center. So if you're Holinsky, uh, you know, that's that's terrific to have Stanley as opposed to as opposed to being working with a guy that's still young, that's, you know, in his own right, you know, working on his protections, working on sort of seeing the defense pre-snap. That's basically one less X factor to worry about. Um, but, Chris, you know, what, what do you think that Carolina will – or what do you think Carolina fans will see from Holinsky this weekend? Well, th- this is a, a really good opportunity for him to break into college football, not, not to – totally minimize charleston southern by any means but uh they're, they're not alabama yeah we can know? minimize them they lost to, they lost to my dreadful alma mater by like 100 points so they did they lost to Furman last week and it was the score was 46 to 13 Furman. so not good um they're not gonna be a very quality opponent but that said um i, I think they'll structure the offense in a way that that you would expect breaking in a first-time guy i think they'll try to lean on the run um which Feaster and Dowdle showed some good things last week. I think they'll have a lot of opportunities in this game. I think they'll break them in with some easy throws, try to get the ball out quickly, try to get them in rhythm. These are things that they need to do anyway, regardless of opponent, but especially this week. Um, now, one of Holinsky's strengths in high school that we saw, like Wes said, you know, getting the ball out quickly, but he also excelled throwing the ball downfield against man coverage, fitting it into some tight spaces. So um, I'm sure they'll take some shots, you know, try to get a couple confidence builders, but – I'd anticipate they'll lean heavily on the run. They'll try to get the ball out quickly and just try to ease him into the game with some easier throws, but he's capable of, of doing more than that. I'm very excited. I hope other Carolina fans are very excited because this guy represents the future. Even if Jake Bentley weren't hurt or he was just being benched or whatever, he's not going to be around next year. This season, I think Gamecock fans that already sort of emotionally punted on, you know, even by like July, just saying, well, you know, it's, it's probably not going to be that good a season because – you have such a tough schedule. Obviously, the North Carolina game was was a football tragedy that people did not foresee, could not have foreseen, and you know caused them to even check out more emotionally on the season. Um, but watching Helensky, I think getting a glimpse of what the future could look like is what people are sort of hanging their their hat on and their hope on. So I, for one, I'm really excited to see what he looks like again, just in the pocket, just seeing what he looks like in front of you know, a crowd of at least 35,000 people seeing what he's like under the lights, even though the game's going to be during the day. You know what I mean by that expression? Under the sun. Yeah, under the sun. Yeah, under the Tuscan sun, exactly. So um, I don't know. I'm very excited. Like you're saying, it's going to be, I imagine, a somewhat simplified system, something to get him comfortable. And Carolina doesn't need to show too much, probably. I guess I shouldn't take it for granted, but probably to beat Georgia Southern. So uh, this is a good opportunity to segue into some buyer. So what did I say? Georgia Southern. Charleston Southern, yeah. Doesn't um, even matter. Some some garbage well, team that Carolina's. Yeah, and I, I was going to say real quick, uh, Ryan, 
did a lot of the, a lot of the concepts that are in this offense he did in high school already. So um, a lot of the RPO stuff, even some of the like second level RPO stuff, where you're you're having an opportunity to either hand the ball off, but you're making a more intermediate throw. He d- he did a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff in in high school already. So I I think you know it, obviously not to the extent of a college playbook, but there's a lot of stuff that he was already comfortable with that are that are in this thing. And um, you know, and, and I I think for one, we probably don't know. Um, we don't learn a whole lot. We'll learn some stuff. I don't know if we learn a whole lot this week or next week. Um, just because if they if they just destroy Charleston Southern and then get beat handily by Alabama, that really doesn't tell us much of anything. I think th- this season moving forward, as far as Helensky and the quarterback deal, it's going to be defined by what do you do against the like swing games. You know, mm-hmm. Missouri Kentucky is next. Missouri, right. um, yeah. The Missouri game, we're really going to start to learn, you know, was was week one just this really bad day for South Carolina where uh, they didn't play well and it went against them and and they're overconfident you know, and yeah, was it just a bad day or is it a bad team? I, I think we're going to start. To, we won't know. We won't be able to answer that in the next two weeks. I think uh, the week after that with Missouri, that's when we start to find out what this team is all about. And you know, as much as we're talking about Ryan Helensky. Um, I think they're going to need to carry on Joyner um, as far as the quarterback situation goes, too. I, I think he's going to be a part of this, and I, I think he'll be a, a bigger part of this moving forward, and um, I, I think they're going to need him. I think it's going to take Kalinsky and Joyner um, if South Carolina is going to be good um, on offense. In terms of the actual play, you, I think you're right in that we won't be able to tell much about Helensky, but I think we'll learn a lot in terms of just how he how he comports himself and how he runs the offense. If he looks like a freshman and looks scared, looks nervous in the pocket. I think that's going to tell us a lot. But if he looks like a, you know, like a veteran, you know, this being his first game, I know it's, I know it's um, Charleston Southern. Yeah, not Georgia Southern. Uh, if it's Charleston Southern, um, it, it's going to be easy to look good statistically. But I think just in terms of how he carries himself, it's going to be interesting. And, and your point about RPOs is good too, because I, I don't know. Is it fair to say that Jake Bentley never looked completely comfortable running RPOs? It seemed like he was at his best when Carolina was doing. Uh, he had a good game against Clemson, and that, a lot of that was on RPOs. But I always feel like Jake's skill set, he's better when he's in a more traditional pro-style offense. He never seemed fully comfortable, um, you know, making those reads, whether to hand it off, whether to, whether to pass it, or things like that. But um, I guess that's revisionist history at this point, and we'll see what uh, what Helinski's doing. But uh, to get back to the Charleston Southern game, this is a great opportunity to do some, some buy or sell. Right, Chris? You want to do some buy or sell? Yeah, let's do buy or sell. Uh, new segment we're going to try to do every week. Buy or Sell is going to be sponsored by Bishop Real Estate Group, which is Terry Bishop. And he is a uh, former Gamecock quarterback and a 36-year veteran of the real estate business. So if you want to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, Terry Bishop is your guy. Uh, check him out on Facebook. A lot of cool stuff on there. Facebook.com slash the Terry Bishop team. Uh, Terry and Becky Bishop, they do a great job with real estate and also big supporters of the Gamecock program. So Go check them out. Like them on Facebook. They're going to be a sponsor on our podcast and also for a lot of our football content on GamecockCentral.com. You'll see Terry all over our site on there as well, so we appreciate him supporting the show and supporting our work at GamecockCentral.com. Yes, yeah, so we got a few topics for buy or sell that so I wanted to cover. Yeah, let's get started with, yeah. uh, with Ryan Helensky. Yeah. Buy or sell, Ryan Helensky will throw at least 25 passes on Saturday. I'm going to sell that. I'm I'm selling that. I think they're going to lean heavily on the run game. I think they're going to incorporate Joiner some. And uh, 
if all goes well for South Carolina, I think they're rushing for a lot of yards, just incorporating Ryan Holinsky. Now, maybe he can rack up some yardage, hit some big plays. Maybe the receivers can make some stuff happen after the catch. I think he goes under 25. Wouldn't be surprised either way, but I'm, I'm going to go under Wesley, that. you buying or selling 25 passing attempts for Ryan Holinsky? Oh, I think I'm selling as well. Um, you know, I, I think, like he said, Jordan will get in there as well. And, um, you know, I, I was trying to look back. I, I didn't go look at the numbers. I was even trying to think back to Jake Bentley's first career start as a true freshman. Um, you know, that number may get pushed over the top by some some screens and some swing passes and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I'm guessing – I think we set the number at a good spot. I, I think it will be somewhere between, like, maybe 21, 22 passes and maybe 27, 28, something like that. But I uh, – I'm going to say he throws about 22, 23 passes. I'm going to buy it. I feel like the coaching staff knows what this game means. I feel like they know they need to get him some reps. I also feel like Carolina is going to run a lot of plays in this game. I don't expect Charleston Southern to have the ball for uh, – well, I shouldn't say that because Carolina always loses the time of possession battle like pretty much every game for the last two years. But I don't expect Charleston Southern to have a ton of the football. I expect Carolina to run about 80 plays, I think, is probably fair. You give twenty, make 25 of those passes, have another 40 rushing attempts, and then – Maybe 15 passing attempts for DeCarrion and Joyner. I could see it. Is, it. is that math right? Yeah, that math's right. Um, I, I could see it shaking out something like that. So I'm going to buy it just to just to be different. Th- that was a good thought by Wes on Jake's first start. You mess? 26 Ooh. pass attempts All right. in that game. I, I knew it was right around that number. <laughs> yeah. For some yeah, reason, I number. kept thinking 22, but well, I, I don't know where I pulled 17 that. 17 for 26. And, and the symmetry of, of this happening is not lost on us. Obviously, Jake Bentley getting an opportunity to start against sort of a cupcakey team before he gets into SEC action, an opportunity to sort of break him into a real football game against a lesser opponent. Obviously, that's sort of the case for Holinsky here, too. So um, if it's 26, that would be kind of eerie how symmetrical it is. Uh, next thing we're going to buy or sell South Carolina, over 300 yards rushing by or sell, Chris. For reference, mm. Furman rushed for yeah. 369 yards against yeah. Charleston Southern. 9.2 yards a carry. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Oh, man. That, and, and it's still a tough one, you know. What what was South Carolina's number against UNC? Do we know off the top of our heads? Uh, I, I mean, know, it was half I know that, that, roughly, I know that right? Feaster had 72, Dowdle had 62. Okay, so it's about 130-ish, Yeah, I think like I think I think Jake had like six rushing yards after you take away sacks or something like that. You know, another Wilhelm's job. When's the last time South Carolina rushed for 300 yards? Maybe in that coastal game when Rico went off, because Rico himself had what 250 or 260. That would be my guess. Wes, you go first on this one. Oh man, that's 300 yards. It's a lot of yards, man. <laughs> that's so many yards <laughs> on. But y'all haven't y'all haven't like just gone sell, which is no, the crazy that, part. Well, because you gotta think I think, about I think it. Feaster and Dowdle looked good last week. Yeah, I, I they ran through they, contact well. I thought they both had good game. I thought they were they had two of the better games on the team. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, I thought them Markway, Ernest Jones and Shy Smith Shy, yeah, were that was like it. my my guys. I think which, one of them was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, DJ, not Dylan. Um, three hundred. You know what? Screw it. I uh, I'll, I'll say it? bye. You know, let's go. Um, yes. But if if your boys at Furman can do it now, I never watched Furman win a football game when I in four years there. Not saying they didn't, but I was just never there. If if they can rush for that many, now golly, you would assume Charleston Southern has cleaned up some of that 
And well, how much of that is like cleaning up, and how much of that is they're just bad? If Furman was heavy on the, I'm, I can't even locate. It's harder to find like good stat books for, for this game. Here we go. Their total so. Furman only passed for 140 yards, 17 for 23. So it looked like a lot of shorter stuff. Six, I mean, 6.1 a catch. Mm-hmm. You know, that's small, small potatoes. And but they rushed 40 times for 306 for 369 yards. I think that's Carolina will definitely run touchdowns. the ball 40 times, right? They probably shouldn't. Honestly, they should well, probably if they throw, run if they, they run 80 go, plays, 50-50, right? Honestly, they should probably throw the ball. 40 times and let Helensky just go play. Yeah. <laughs> but y'all both picked the under on 25 pass attempts for Helensky, yeah. which means you think they're going to be running it more, which means well, I no, feel like I, y'all go over, or y'all I, would buy here. I think they can hit some big plays okay. in the passing game, whether it's something like maybe a couple deep shots, but also, you know, getting Shy Smith in space and letting mm-hmm. him run. Wait, no, things three, like that. 300. All right. That's 300 great. yards I'm, is a lot. I've talked myself out of it. You're selling? I'm selling. I was I'm selling, selling too. 300. Selling too. No. 300 and people yards, will be disappointed. Yeah. 300 yards is a. You, I was sitting here thinking, all right, if I was putting real money on this, like big money, mm-hmm. what's the most likely that would happen? You got to sell that. Chris, did you check on the Coastal game? No, I'm still I'm still efforting that. Okay. All right, well, let us know when I'm you I'm like uh, the producer on the show that has to Google the stats all yeah, the time. Exactly. But I, I'm, I'm not, good, I'm not that good at it, though. It's the only thing. What, what's yours? I think I'm going to sell it, too. It's a little <laughs> bit too high. So when we were discussing where we wanted to put the number before the show – I initially said 250. Maybe that would have been, but but we just had a, a very we had an interesting discussion there right at 300, which is ridiculous. No team should ever rush for 300 yards ever. <laughs> all right, so but I'm still gonna sell. I think it'll right. be close. I think it'll be 250. Just for the I was gonna say just for the record, are we all buying 250 or no? I would buy 250. I'm buying 250. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go 250. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So somewhere between 250 and 300 is what we're comfortable with. Um. All right. Last one. Buy or sell, Carolina wins the game by 40 points. That's a big line. Now, now, Furman, 46 to 13. I'm pretty bad at math, but that's a 33-point margin of victory. No idea what the line was on that game, by the way. No idea. And yeah. uh, in most places you look, the, there is not a line for the Carolina game. I don't know if that hasn't been updated because of the uncertainty of uh, Jake Bentley, I don't know if we should expect that to be updated later in the week now that Ryan Helensky has been named starter. A lot of times, if a starting quarterback's not playing, they'll remove the line from a game, at least temporarily. But if we were to set our own line, and Chris, you did see somewhere that it, put it This right was per 40. Odd Shark, and I have no idea. You know, I think they're fairly reliable. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm Vegas not insiders didn't have one. That's where I go. So some will, some won't. Right. Given the given the quarterback uncertainty. We can set it at 40. So yeah, we'll say. set it. We're, we're, this is the Gamecock Central line. Yeah. You buying or selling 40-point margin of victory for the Gamecocks? Hmm. Dead silence. That was that was a that was a bad movie. Did you ever see that? Dead silence. Yeah, it's a movie. No. Yeah, it's a scary movie. It's it's like a puppet thing. Wasn't super into it. I think I've I think I've got to sell that. That's just, that's a lot of forty. So yeah, it's a big you margin. Think, you don't think it could be fifty six to thirteen? Oh, it could be. Yeah, hey, that's uh, a forty but, but point margin of victory. <laughs> it could be, but I think you're trying to play the odds. What? You know, it, would that score surprise me? Not you terribly. You think Carolina's going to take out some of the frustration of the North Carolina game on the poor Charleston would, Southern team? That's everyone's hope, I think, uh, in the fan base. But, <laughs> but all right. So you're selling everything. You're selling Helensky, yeah. twenty-five passes. You're selling three hundred rushing yards. Yeah. You're selling. What do you think is going to be like thirteen yeah. to ten final? No, no. And Jay Urich gets most S- of the snaps. Sell, what do you, you think is going to happen on Saturday? If it's this four, is, if what it's is that show Mad Money or uh, the, maybe. Uh, 
with, oh, the, with the with the like really loud guy. That, the loud guys, you know, yelling yeah, and throwing yeah. graphics on the screen and stuff. Right. Let's say it's, it's forty-five right to six. You know, Carolina's up thirty-five to three at halftime. That'd be a great scenario. Everybody'd be happy. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half, they just sort of lollygag and and they Oof. got second and third team guys out there, and they know they don't look all that great. And they win forty-five to six. That's, forty-five to six is like, that's that's a real wrench, actually. Now you're making me. That's a big margin, but yeah, that's, that's, 39 that's thirty-nine points. It's under forty. Dang. So I'm just playing the odds. Right. Would it be? I'm, what, I'm selling too. Yeah. Yeah, what, what what is wrong with you guys? I'm buying. Just I mean mostly because you okay. are selling because that, that but see, you I'm, are. I'm not trying to, to six things really really. I'm not trying to buy or sell based on like oh let me be different like I'm trying to give an actual answer. <laughs> yeah, right? me too. I think 40, Carolina could win this thing. Yeah, but it's not about could. Carolina they should could. score 56 points. Carolina should have scored 35 or 42 against North Carolina. How much worse is Charleston Southern than North Carolina? I think substantially. Yeah, 56 is if Carolina doesn't score 56, there are some serious serious problems with the offense in my opinion. Unless they go up now, what if my scenario they go up 35 points? You don't want to go out there just so you can say. Now, maybe the second team for South Carolina is all. Maybe Joyner comes in. But, yeah, and you're he's talking great. about Joyner and Helensky at quarterback. In, yeah. in terms of running backs, you're talking about Mon Denson, who's got 100-yard rushing games in his career. He was right, listed right. as an or starter at the beginning of the season. And then the drop-off in terms of receivers, I mean, you're talking about Javis Dawkins, who's already a borderline starter kind of guy. You're talking about Xavier Leggett that some people think could be the next sure. great receiver at Carolina. So the drop-off from, from the ones to, like, the twos and a couple of those threes isn't as significant. I may be on the offensive line is where you see a little bit more of an issue. But I, I think 56 is very solidly within the realm of possibility. Okay. But anyways, there's our buy and sell. Thanks so much to the Bishop team for sponsoring that segment. We're going to do that every week. Um, that was that was even more fun than I thought it was going to be. I love buy or sell, but that was, some, that was some hearty discussion there. There you go. All right, one more thing we wanted to get to uh, in the aftermath of the North Carolina game. Now, I'm not going to say that this is 100%, you know, these, these things are 100% related, that it's exactly causation. May, in fact, be a little bit more correlation, but I'll get your opinions because y'all are the experts uh lavesha carroll decommitted from south carolina over the weekend after the north carolina loss was that already coming um if I'll, I'll say it like this if it was we were not aware it wasn't like oh you know is this something that we've been tracking no it was not um so that was really like he watched the north carolina game and he was like i'm out i mean we can't say i i think i feel like it doesn't happen like that i think the move to to IMG also sort of um you you have so you have two factors here that could have played into that and we don't really necessarily know what the determining factors are um but you moved to IMG which traditionally has not been a school that's been kind to South Carolina and they have some Clemson ties down there and yeah and uh, you know he's get, he's gotten a lot of new offers lately plus throw in just um you know, a performance that, frankly, you know, nobody expected. I mean, and, you know, it's it's a bad loss. I mean, nobody – It's we, the worst loss of the Will Muschamp era. Like, we, we get accused of, like, sugarcoating and stuff like that and spin and stuff like that. But, I mean, I think you can discuss the why and the how and, you know, stuff like that. That doesn't mean we don't believe it's a bad loss. It was a bad loss. And, um, you know, I, I think – like I said, my, my question moving forward is um, – you know, is it a bad day or uh, did a bad we? Team. Yeah, did we completely overestimate this team? I, I think there there are some scary trends there if you take it back to the end of last year and then look at the beginning of this year. But then I I, I then go back. I say, man, there's still some veteran guys on this team that are really good. And uh, you know, 
if, if they make one more play, we're talking about how, man, this team this team has some things to fix, but they found a way to win the game. You know, you know, when you were talking about if Jake Bentley makes the one throw to Shai Smith, if J.C. Horn makes the one interception that he probably makes every single time in that practice. Was, that was weird, too. That was like... the bo- I mean, I don't know how the ball I don't either. between I mean, his hands. It was like... It reminded me of Angels in the outfield. It's like there is no way... <laughs> in, like, the physical world that it is possible to not even, like, even if he doesn't catch it, to not bat it down, it was like there was a hole in his hand. It was truly bizarre. But then the fact that the ball went to the North Carolina, it wasn't just, like, I didn't even realize watching it live, I didn't realize that the North Carolina receiver had caught the ball because my brain just did not compute (laughs) that 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 was a North Because I was like, man, that should have been an interception, you know, but I'm thinking, well, at least incomplete pass. And I'm like, wait, he caught the To me... Uh, Angels in the Outfield, great reference. To me, it reminded me of when you used to play NCAA football. Oh, and, God. like, you uh, – like you Triggered ever, already. Yeah, did you ever hit the quarterback and the quarterback's, like, falling on the ground and then all of a sudden the ball just goes – and yeah. it shoots out, like, 20 yards downfield yep. for a completion. Oh, or, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't know, like, just the, the – it's like it looked like a glitch in the matrix. Yeah. Literally. It really that did. It did not compute correctly. And the ball went through, like – through his hands, not through the opening in his hands. Like through the hand. Through his hands. This appeared. I've never. I think it know, just appeared in the receiver's hands. Yeah, it just like apparated from one side of J.C. Horn's hands to the other. It's yeah. like it's like when I play, like, you were out there. Was Jay out there the night you played handball? Yeah, oh, yeah. Jay Brown? Throwing So when Jay, lasers. former Carolina pitcher, when he plays Jay handball, Brown. when he throws it, the ball just, it just appears in the back of the goal. Like, there's no trajectory or it just whoop, you don't see it leave the hand it's just there just yeah in the back. i don't i don't know if anybody out there believes in the simulation theory um that we're actually that in we're the, in the matrix we're in the matrix that's but, evidence for it but right that's there. my first real life evidence yeah. that that we are <laughs> I don't, man, that was weird i don't even what were we even talking about oh levation carroll so yeah. y'all have said on this podcast before <laughs> that you don't think by and large a recruit's decision about where he's going to go to a school really comes down to one game. Will Muschamp has said something similar and, and also basically said, you know, if it really comes down to just one game for a kid, we probably don't want him anyways. Do you think they get get LaVeisha Carroll back after he, you know, has a dalliance with some other teams here? Or is South Carolina kind of moving on and looking for another running back target? Yeah, when he's 2021, so, you know, that, that class. Plenty of time. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, you know, it, it seems like, um, talking in general, that when guys come out of the class um, – especially when they're, like, out-of-state kids that don't really have a ton of ties to the program uh, to start with, that they end up going elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they'll keep talking to them. I, I think, obviously, um, you know, they'll they'll keep going after them. But then, you know, you look, who knows how the 2021 running back class will, will end up. There's a ton of other guys out there. I, I think as far as recruiting, and this, this may be weird to say considering the lack of big-time backs they've been able to get in the – the past uh, saved just a few guys, but Tom, I don't know. Just Thomas Brown recruiting that position, you you feel good about it. Um, you know, you obviously you got to keep Marshawn Lloyd in you know in the mix and and add another guy to that. But I, I feel pretty comfortable whether it is Carroll or somebody else for twenty twenty one. By the you know who knows what all can happen between now and then. So you're not worried about this long term. Seeing one decommit doesn't doesn't no. make you say, "Oh, time for one more time to go." He's losing recruits. He's losing football games. No, and I, I think um, I don't know. It, it was a it was a bad game, but it was still one game. So I, I think if you know if some of these trends continue, then um, you know that's that's not good. And and may, you know maybe other guys do look around. Who's to say? But 
um, you know, I think we're we're all in a situation where um, nobody really knows what to think right now. We all just sort of, as a collective, freaked out a little bit on, on Saturday. <laughs> it was bad. It was so bad. Um, all right, I don't actually know when we started recording this. It feels like we've gone a little bit longer. It feels like we're sort of getting to the end. Um, but we do need to talk about our Schlotsky's Deli yes. Picks contest. Are we getting Schlotsky's after this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're, that sounds um, awesome. I'm a you know, big Slotsky's fan here. Glad to have them back on board. We have our, and by the way, uh, this is completely on me. I've got to go through and figure out a winner. I don't know if anybody actually picked North Carolina to win the game. So we may, I hope not. We may give away two next week because if you can't win the contest if you pick the wrong team. Well, it's like the closest, right? It's so the who, closest who is, to the who, score. Who, yeah. But, so who picked, who was the closest to picking Carolina? Like, did it even pick 21 to 20? I don't know. I, I got to go back and look. But, yes, we uh, we have our Slotsky's Deli contest going on on our Gamecock Central forums. That is free to play. And um, if all you have to do is register. Just go on Fighting Gamecocks forum. Register for free. We'd love for you to sign up, too. But you don't have to. Um, put your score in there every week. The closest score will get um, a $60 gift card or tailgating package, I should say, to Slotsky's Deli. And then you can go pick it up on the way of the game and – Hey, for one week at least, your uh, your food is taken care of at the game. Really cool package. It's got um, sandwiches, chips, and my favorite thing, chocolate the chip cookies. cookies. They're so, so good. Dude, I have such a problem with sweets and cookies. And I, uh, if you put a cookie in front of me, it's over. And they, it's they've toast. got some of the best ones. So, uh, yeah, Slotsky's Daily, glad to have them back for the third year in a row. Thanks so much to Slotsky's. And Wes is going to actually be prepared and have our winner, maybe winners next week because – I mean, I guess if no one picked North Carolina, I'm fine with with delaying that at least. But, uh, yeah, go do that. Uh, as Wes mentioned, you don't have to be a subscriber. You can find that on the Fighting Gamecock forum. But if you do want to be an insider and you want to find the Slotchkeys contest on the Insiders forum and you're not a subscriber to Gamecock Century, you can be for a month for free with the exclusive code GCPOD. So go ahead and do that because it's awesome and you're missing out on a lot of good insider stuff if you're not already a subscriber to Gamecock Central. So go do that. That'll do it for Wes and for Chris. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast with your friends if you like it and you want to hear more of it. I will be back on Friday with another episode of Get Cocky. Wes and Chris and I will all be back next Wednesday to celebrate South Carolina's first win of the season against Charleston Southern, which will happen by more than 40 points. They'll rush for more than 300 yards, and Ryan Helensky will have 26 passing attempts. But until then, y'all have a good week. Enjoy the game this weekend.